Hey everybody, welcome to episode 322 of the Running Rogue Podcast. This is your host, Chris McClung, and I'm coming to you today with the Q&A episode with a runner I coach and Instagram running influencer, Nicole Winter, who is based here in Austin, but has been spending the last month or so in Michigan enjoying the cooler temperatures. She's patched in with me this week, earlier this week on Instagram Live, and we did a Q&A with her follower base, which always brings really, really good questions. So we're going to get to those questions in just a moment. Before we get there, a couple of notes for today. One, I want to thank my sponsor for today. Always appreciate Run Johnji, Johnji Running Apparel. They are a staple in my running wardrobe, have lots of amazing pieces, and I'll be talking about them in just a moment with an offer code for you to go check it out yourself if you haven't already. Also, want to give a summer running PSA before we get started on this Q&A because temperatures here in Texas are out of control. I think Texas at one point this week was the third hottest place on the planet behind only the Sahara Desert and the Middle East deserts. So it's been intense and the humidity has been tough as well. So it's really, really challenging and it's hard to get through. And I know it's warm in many other places in the country as well. So if you're facing warm temperatures, I need to remind you of a couple of things in your training. One, you have to absolutely slow down to accommodate these conditions, which might mean you slowing down 30 seconds, potentially as much as a minute per mile on some of your runs and in some of your pace work, even depending on the conditions so that you can get to the right effort. And certainly so that those easy runs can be easy enough to make sure that it's all sustainable. Because if you're trying to push on those spring or winter paces in these conditions, it will catch up to you in a way that will haunt you and you're not going to be able to make it work. You're not going to be able to keep it sustainable. And you may also compromise the potential benefit of the work that you're doing by being at an effort zone that's too hard. So please, please, please slow down your runs. It will make them much tolerable. And if you need to do a walk run in warm conditions in order to do that, then that's okay too. There are no style points at this point. It's all about covering the distances, getting in your training and doing it in a way that is as comfortable as you can. It's not necessarily going to feel good in these conditions, but you can make it feel better by simply slowing down. So please embrace that concept. Secondly, it's so, so important to make hydration a part of your day job. Yes, it's important to hydrate during your runs, but if you're not hydrating outside of your runs well, particularly with electrolytes, then it will catch up to you. It's amazing to me how many times I'll have a runner in this window of the year come to me and say, hey, I'm really struggling on my runs. I'm having consecutive bad runs. I'm really feeling fatigued and that fatigue is lingering. And I'll ask the simple question, are you supplementing with electrolytes daily? Answer in those cases is often no. So if you're not already doing that and you're in warm conditions, then you need to start supplement daily with electrolytes. Personally, I will do it twice daily one serving in the morning, one serving in the afternoon with other fluids in order to make sure that I can stay on top of it so that I go into my runs with the electrolytes that I need so that I can absorb the water that I'm taking in and put it to use inside my cells and inside my working muscles. So make sure you're supplementing with electrolytes and that can look like a lot of different things. Personally, right now I'm using Element as well as a product called Light Switch from Dr. Moose, my chiropractor here in Austin. 
but I've also used Scratch, Noon, all the other potential options, Drip Drop, et cetera. So I'm less concerned about which one you use, which product you prefer, but just find something and make sure you're getting enough of those electrolytes so that you absorb the water you're taking in so that you can put it to use on those runs. And then, of course, make sure you're getting plenty of fluid as well, particularly after your run so that you can get rehydrated and start recovering as quickly as you can. Also, if you need a full refresher on running in the heat, go to episode 283 from the archives and I give you a full breakdown on how to think about summer training in much more depth. So go check that out. Okay, now before we get to my Q&A with Nicole, I want to go ahead and get my offer to you from Run Janji so that we can play that Q&A uninterrupted. Janji is a partner of mine, has now been for a couple of months, but I've known Dave and Mike from Janji, the founders of Janji, since they started the company back in their collegiate running days. They are a running apparel company that makes fun, functional running apparel that also happens to support great causes. 2% of all of their revenue goes to support water projects all around the world. They're also doing an amazing job showcasing artists and cultures from all over the world through the designs and the prints that they use in their apparel. I've been loving their stuff lately and I'm going to get to new to get to use a new piece that I've gotten from them, their multi-pass sling bag that I'm going to be using on my vacation in this coming week for runs on the go and tourism on the go as well as hiking on the go to make it easy and functional to carry the stuff I need while not having to have a big bulky disruptive bag on my back. So I'll be putting all of their products to use their barrel and their sling bag on this upcoming trip. So I highly recommend you check out their stuff. They also have an amazing five-year run everywhere guarantee where they will replace something if it doesn't hold up with no questions asked. So go check it out. Go to runjanji.com or just simply johnji.com. You can use my code rogue15, R-O-G-U-E-1-5 for 15% off your order. Go check it out. You will not regret it. They've got amazing stuff. All right. With that, let's jump into my conversation with Nicole Winter, her Q&A from her followers. Great questions. Here we go. Hey, Chris. How are you? Good. How are you, Nicole? I'm good. Long time no see. I know. I mean, you're, I know you're jealous of our weather here. Yeah. You know, 105 <laughs> degrees, 60 degrees. I don't know. <laughs> How has it been? Uh, we're surviving. I would say this week is better than last, even yeah. though I think the raw temperatures are hotter. It's been less humid. So it's a little bit, a little bit more tolerable, but it's, it's yeah. been tough. Yeah. The humidity is what's the worst. Um, the air quality here is actually really bad though. And I went for a run today and came home and was like, Oh, I probably should have checked on that. So maybe treadmill for the next couple of days, but I'll take the cooler weather. Yeah. Um, okay. So let's, Let's introduce yourself. I know we do the same thing every time, but for our newcomers, tell people who you are, what you do, um, and then we'll get into the questions. Yeah, my name is Chris McClung. I am running coach and owner at Rogue Running, and I've been coaching you, Nicole, for a couple of years now. I also have a podcast called Running Rogue for those that want to listen to me talk about all things run coaching for 300 plus episodes and basically my life is helping people 
get faster, meet their goals through this sport, and then hopefully change their lives along the way. Yeah. And you've already done all of that for me in the past couple of years. It's been great. Um, okay. So we basically put up a question box. Some of the questions are things that we've probably been over in our lives before, but I feel like they could be a good refresher. Um, so we'll get started. What plan should I follow when I'm not training for a specific race? Yeah, good question. I think it largely depends on what you need in order to be ready for your next training cycle. So I, I would ask you to do some internal reflection on this. But one thing I highly recommend is that you cha- you train in some form year round. I think it's really difficult when you have big gaps between races and you're taking a bunch of months off where you're not actually running. It's really difficult then to rebuild when you get back into it and then get to a higher place down the road. So if you can be consistent in some form, even if it's just a baseline level of running, then that will dramatically help your ability to start at a higher place when you restart again so that you can then get further the next with the next cycle. So highly recommend consistency. And that could be a simple base plan of running three or four days a week, three or four miles at a time, even if that's enough to keep you moving and really help you maintain that continuity. Beyond that, what I encourage you to think about is what you need to work on in the off season, so to speak, that might help you then become better in that next cycle. So for some people that might mean introducing strength in a way that they haven't done in the past. And so you can maintain a base level of running while adding strength to the equation in a way that will allow you to do that without overwhelming the system with doing too much at once. You could potentially focus on adding mileage by just doing easy volume without speed workouts. For some people, that's a good way to build volume and then go into that next cycle even stronger. You could also do a little bit of work on speed development. What I would recommend is just picking one thing to work on in the off season that you can spend time on while your running volume might be a little bit reduced so that you then go into that next cycle a little bit stronger. Mm-hmm. I think people too, they kind of fall out of the motivation to run. So having something to focus on if it's not a race or you don't have something coming up is super important. Yeah. And it raises another good point that oftentimes in the, in the off season, you should do something that might be unique or fun or different, you know, maybe Mm -hmm. train for and do a fun trail race, find some new running routes, you know, go find some new friends to run with by doing some running events in your town, whatever it is to mix things up and, and create some variety, do a triathlon for some people, you know, whatever it is to create variety, that'll help you stay motivated for the next round. Mm hmm. Love it. All right. Um, Top tips to make sure or to know that your running form is good. This is a hot topic and there will be many that you might hear espouse a particular running form program or, or style. I am not one who believes that you should necessarily be modeling yourself after a, a specific program or style. I'm one who believes that everybody has different running form. Everybody's going to move uniquely If you go to a race or even if you watch the elites race, you're going to see everybody's moving slightly differently based on how their body is constructed and how their body is formed. So I firmly believe that the the goal here is not necessarily to match some form or some recommended running style, but instead to make you more efficient in how your body moves. And there are ways to do that Four specific ways that I talk about with people. One is simply running more volume consistently. The more you run, the more your body finds a a smooth and efficient form that's going to be right for you. And so if you're doing that 
consistently over time, you're going to get more efficient. Your form's going to evolve with you in a way that's going to help you. So that's the most simple. And then there's three other ways. Strength training, I think, is an important component of this. Really, in particular, working on lower leg strength and core strength. The stronger you are and more engaged your glutes are, for example, the better and more efficient your running form is going to be. So anything that in particular engages those glutes and core is going to be is going to allow you to be more efficient in how you move. The third thing is strides. I'm a big proponent of doing weekly strides, which are short controlled sprints that you might only do four or five at a time. But I like to call them allergy shots for speed. They're also mm -hmm. allergy shots for form and efficiency. When you run fast, you're more efficient naturally. And so mm -hmm. if you do that in short doses, small doses, once a week, consistently throughout the year, then you're also going to become more efficient and you'll become faster as well. And then the fourth thing is running drills. We do these weekly with the morning show, the group that I coach here in Austin mm -hmm. on Wednesday mornings as a part of our warm-up routine. These are things that you might have done as a kid or that you've seen people do including high knees and butt flicks and skipping very basic movements that basically decompose the running form into its piece parts so that you become more efficient with each of those components. And then when you put them all back together, when you're running normally again, you become more efficient. Again, drills are something that done once don't necessarily change anything, but done consistently week in and week out will actually make you more efficient and improve that form over time. Mm -hmm. Okay, so it was one frequency two strength training three uh strides strides and then four was the warm-up movements that we do form drills or what did you call it drills drills, drills. Yeah. okay cool those are the so four to break ways. It down yep okay love it um all right how to balance your lifting and running for optimal recovery and then there was just a lot of general questions about incorporating strength into race training yeah, I would love you know you to chime in here because I know you're doing a lot of strength mm -hmm. as well. But our our advice really kind of comes at two levels. One most optimal is when you can pair your harder strength days with your harder running days. So doing a hard runner workout first or a longer run workout first, and then doing a strength training session later in the day. That way you're pairing your hard day your hard things on one day so that your recovery days can be truly about recovery. That is the number one goal. For example, for me, I do two strength workouts a week, Tuesday and Thursday. Those happen after my harder, longer midweek runs so that I can really focus on recovery on the other days. Mm -hmm. If that's not possible for you, and for some people that's too much for their schedule, what I recommend beyond that is to find two or three other days where you can do that strength work consistently. And over time, your body will adapt to the load if you allow it time for that. So typically, wherever you allow, wherever you can do it routinely and, and fit consistently is going to be your next best option. And it will may, it may take some time, typically four to six weeks for your body to adapt to that routine. But if you do it week in and week out and do it consistently, you will adapt and your body will adjust to being able to put all of those things together with the caveat that if you're doing it that way, there may be times when you need to prioritize one or the other, maybe modify your strength in order to make sure it can fit together. So if you have a strength workout the day before a speed workout, for example, as you get into more, more rigorous speed workouts, you may want to make that strength workout 
more about upper body, for example, than a hard lower body day. So you're not doing too intense things with the lower body on, on consecutive days. So that might be a way that you can balance things when you have a routine that's built like that. But that's how I recommend mm -hmm. putting it together. And if you can be consistent, that's the most important thing. And wherever that works for you, do it. Yep. Yeah, I was going to say you you helped me greatly with deciding to stack the runs and the strength because I'm like, how does this add up and still allow for rest days to do four days of running, three days of strength training or whatever it is, but stacking them and kind of, it, it takes some time, but you have to figure out what works best for your schedule. If it means that you can get it in, but I personally like have found great success with doing, you know, I have my speed workout Wednesday. So I also make that my lower body day. And then I don't have two days of trying to recover my legs. So it's all about kind of figuring out where it best fits, like a little puzzle. <laughs> yeah. And it's also important to note that if running is your, your primary goal or your priority at the moment, even doing basic strength sessions that might include just a few key movements, 20 minutes, a couple of times a week done consistently is going to make mm -hmm. a dramatic difference. Hi, Alec. Uh, so, you know, so if you, if you only have a little bit of time, then it's okay. Just do it consistently because mm -hmm. basic movements like prisoner squats, single leg deadlifts, lunges, push-ups, pull-ups, those, those core movements, planks for core, those are going to get you a long way if you're done mm -hmm. consistently. It doesn't necessarily have to be a really elaborate routine. Right. I always say just back to basics. And if it looks the same and you're doing progressive overload, even better. Sorry, we have a special guest today. Um, we're in my parents' basement. So, you know, it's been really fun down here. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit tight. Um, yeah. All right. Um, how to navigate injuries flaring up during training. Yeah, this one is tough because I know how hard it can be to have an injury when you're yeah. focused on training, everything's going well, you're facing or working through an injury post your marathon right now. So I've got a couple of things here. First of all, recovering from a running injury, if it's soft tissue related, which most running injuries are, is a very active process. I know people are asking about IT band syndrome and runner's knee on the comments. Mm -hmm. Those are soft tissue related injuries not bone stress. This is an active process, which means that you're actively engaging with a provider who's going to help you, a provider, whether that be a physical therapist, a chiro, or, a, or an MD, who specializes in working with runners and helping you deal with these types of injuries. You need to be engaging someone like that to help you work through it because it's going to take work to do it. Doing nothing and magically hoping that your injury is going to go away if it's a soft tissue injury does not work. What happens typically is it actually sometimes gets worse because your body tightens up around it. You start running again mm -hmm. and it's right back where it was. So you want to make this an active process, engage your provider, typically keep moving in some form. Sometimes that means running. If you're able to do that, the rules of thumb I give there, or if the pain is a three or less on a one to 10 scale and it doesn't get worse as you go, then you should keep moving on it, running or other forms of cross training because movement equals blood flow equals healing will help actually help you work through that process and then figure out what other movements you need to work through it as well. What strength you might need, what mobility work you might need, what self-massage you might need in order to actually work through that issue. In the case of IT band syndrome and runner's knee, both of those are knee-related injuries where the knee is picking up too much load because your stabilizing muscles aren't doing their job, typically your glute muscles, 
And so both mm -hmm. of those in order to recover from them are gonna involve a lot of glute work in order to stabilize that knee, prevent it from collapsing inwards sometimes, or just taking too much load as you go through the running motion. And so recovering from injury, engage a provider, keep working, move as you can mm -hmm. and as your body allows based on the pain and, and work through it. Know that it's not necessarily gonna get better overnight. It might take some time, but if you're persistent with the rehab and the work around that, you can work through it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it's super important to work through it now versus have a way bigger problem later. So get it taken care of. Um, all right, what are the best days to take rest days during your training week? It's a good question. I would first just caveat that, you know, there's two types of recovery days, so to speak, in my book. One is an active recovery day or active rest day. And another would be a complete off day. Mm -hmm. And what is going to be right for everybody is going to vary depending on what your starting point is, how much running you're doing now, how much volume you're doing now, how many days you're normally running. But I'll, I'll talk first about the active rest. Most people underutilize the idea of an active rest day because movement equals blood flow equals healing. The days after you do a speed workout or the days after you do a long run should be active rest because you want to create movement which promotes blood flow which promotes healing so that you can then go do the next hard or long thing i think one of the common sources of injury is when people don't actually do their active rest days which are going to look like super easy running or perhaps super easy other aerobic cross training where you're going really really easy from an effort perspective so that you create that movement, which promotes healing, which again, allows you to prep for the next harder long thing. One of our coaches in our world says motion is lotion for the muscles. And that's exactly what it is. So active movement is so critical. And so if you don't have those active rest days, we are going dramatically slower than normal after the speed workouts and long runs in your training, I would highly encourage you to add those because it's really important that you do that type of run before you go do another hard or long type of run. Beyond that, in terms the total off days, I think it really depends on what routine is best for you and what your starting point is. If someone's training for a half marathon or a marathon, I typically will recommend that they try to run five, at least five days a week, sometimes six for a more experienced runner, which means you're going to have two completely off days. Or in the case of somebody who might be doing four, that's three completely off days. But in those cases, I want someone who's doing four days to perhaps incorporate a cross-training day that's aerobic in order to add another uh, opportunity for aerobic development during the week. And where those off days fit are going to depend on what your routine looks like. But typically, I like to, to put them after recovery days. So it would be in the case of, you know, if you did a Wednesday quality workout in the case of you, if you're here in Austin, mm -hmm. Thursday, active rest day, which for you typically looks like cross training, but might be an easy run for some people. Friday would be an off day before the long run on Saturday, for example. Mm -hmm. And where those fit are really just going to depend on how your routine looks. But just to give you an example, a couple of examples in our world. So some people in our groups do their workouts on Wednesdays. So that would mean that their week looks like this. Monday would be a medium long day. Tuesday's typically an off day completely. Wednesday's a quality speed day. Thursday, active recovery. Friday off. 
Saturday long run, Sunday recovery. Mm -hmm. Or you could construct it as Monday off, Tuesday quality, Wednesday recovery, Thursday medium long run, Friday off or easy, Saturday long run, Sunday recovery. So it just depends on how you how your week works and how your routine fits during the week. But essentially, you just want to make sure you're balancing the hard days with the recovery days first and then fitting in those completely off days around that. Mm -hmm. It is kind of cool how perfectly it all works out because there will be times where I try to shift, like I'll do my long run on a Friday and I didn't have that full rest day. And it's amazing the difference that it makes. So um, always, would you say always before long run and always before quality, you want a full rest day? I mean, I think those are the days days it best fits for most people. It's not necessarily true for everyone, but those are the days that it best fits. So you do those off days before your, directly before your hard days and then the active Mm -hmm. recovery directly after. Yep. Okay, cool. All right. Thoughts on splitting long runs into two smaller runs if you don't have time to do it all at once. I feel like we have not covered this before. So I'm curious common, to hear. It's a common question. People also ask me about yeah. it during the week for a medium long run. For example, the unfortunate news is that you sh- I don't believe you should do it. I don't, I yeah. don't recommend it because it, it, it doesn't give you the same benefit or even close to the same benefit. Basically, when we're developing aerobic capacity, those longer runs, once you get beyond six miles, for example, the aerobic capacity benefit starts to grow exponentially, miles six, seven, eight, nine, ten, all the way up to you know potentially a twenty mile run. You're going to get more exponential benefit from those later miles than you are from the early miles. So if you're trying to get a ten mile run in, for example, and you instead split it into two five mile runs, you're getting the five mile benefit twice, which is much mm-hmm. lower then miles six, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 of a 10 mile run, because it takes your body time to essentially prime itself in order to go into that aerobic capacity building zone. So two five mile runs give you essentially none of the benefit of a long run while taxing your, the, your musculoskeletal system in the same, essentially the same way as a 10 mile run would tax you. So you're getting all, you know, none of the aerobic benefit with the cost of those miles at the same level. And so what I would simply do is rearrange your schedule in a way, if that's your situation, if you can't Mm -hmm. get in a certain distance, then I would find a way to rearrange your schedule by either flipping your days so that you can get it in or potentially flipping your weeks. You know, in our system, we have two up weeks and a down week. So some people can switch their weeks so that they're moving their down weeks around in order to get in a long run if their schedule if their schedule prevents it on a certain up week and, and, or, you know, like you do sometimes move runs from mm-hmm. Saturday to Friday in order to get it in. If you're going to be traveling for the weekend or whatever that may be. So I'd much prefer you still get in the volume and just find a way mm-hmm. to move things around. And the key thing to think about when you're moving runs around is that you just don't want to upset the integrity of the sequence. You know, so the worst thing you can do, for example, is to do a speed day and a long run day back to back without active rest in between. So you want to avoid right. those situations. And if you can do that and still move things around, then that's much better. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. All right. What are the benefits to alternating race distances? And this person gave the example of doing a half and then a 10K. Um, 
And I know you have yeah. a lot of tidbits to say I mean, on this. This is yeah. honestly one of the most common mistakes people make in training or training on their own is that they get focused on the distance they like or where their goals might lie. Mm-hmm. And that's all they do. Marathoners have a bad that's habit me. of going marathon, 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 half marathoners, half marathon, you know, only doing half marathons. Yeah. And the unfortunate reality for those that, you know, like those distances or want to focus on a particular distance is that you have to stay well-rounded as a runner in order to be your best half marathon self or marathon self. You have to do all the other distances. So in my ideal world as a coach, I would have somebody doing one 5k, 10k cycle a year, one half marathon cycle a year, and one marathon cycle a year if they're marathoning in order to get all of those distance distances covered throughout the year with different distinct training blocks so that you're staying well-rounded as an athlete because the faster you can run a 5k and 10k the faster you can ultimately run a half marathon or a marathon and if you're not working the full end of the range then you're sub-optimizing the event that you're only doing and so Mm -hmm. if someone's a half marathoner then absolutely it'd be great for you to mix in 5k and 10k training because that looks different than a half marathon training block and it's going to give you more speed so that you can be more efficient at half marathon pace and ultimately chase faster half marathon goals. And if you're a marathoner, same thing, work in the 5K and 10K at a time at certain times and work in the half marathon at other times because the faster you can run those short distances, the faster you can ultimately run a marathon. And for a lot of people that get into running later, which is very common in my world, people start running later, you know, maybe they didn't go to, they didn't grow up running, they didn't run in high school or college completely normal to get into it later in life but because you didn't have that background typically you weren't working the raw speed side and you go straight up Mm -hmm. to the marathon or the half marathon and so you start to build that endurance without the speed development and so you have to at times get back to that if you want to be your fastest long distance self so don't Mm -hmm. be afraid of that variety and commonly people will also ask me well if I get away from the half and go do a 10K and then come back to the half, am I losing something or somehow forgetting how to run a half marathon or forgetting how to run a marathon when I do that? And the answer is absolutely not. You're still being consistent. You're still developing the aerobic system. If you have a, tro- a program that's built in the right way, you're still doing long runs of some form. I so was you- just going to say, <laughs> not if you're training with Chris, because right. then you're still running a 12-mile long run or whatever it is. Exactly. So you're still building all of the building blocks that are going to help you when you go back. You're just adding elements to your toolkit that you wouldn't have otherwise, which is more raw speed. So mm-hmm. yes, love the question and definitely want you to get after those 5K and 10K blocks when you can. Yeah, I need to do that. But we'll do a half marathon in January. That's right. That'll be our switch up. Um, Okay, if you had to pick just one single most important thing to focus on during marathon training, what would it be? I really like this question. And that's a hard one. Well, it's a hard one, but there were, and and I think there's an obvious answer. I'm going to give the not obvious answer, which is that I I think many people would say the long run is the most important thing. And so getting in really good long runs is the most important thing for marathon training. And that's true. But I would point actually to the medium long run Mm -hmm. as the most important thing for getting the most out of a marathon cycle. Because if you have a good marathon training schedule, you're going to get the long runs in. Everybody knows that's a part of the equation. And I highly encourage you to do robust long runs. You know, I'm a fan of the 20, 20 mile run. 
but if you really want to take advantage and get and build full fitness i think the unsung hero really of all training is the medium long run that's your second longest run of the week typically during the week that for me i like to get half marathoners up to eight mile medium long runs marathoners up to 10 to 12 mile medium long runs it's an aerobic capacity building run at easy efforts during the middle of the week that just makes such a difference in terms of your aerobic development and helping you then put even more into your speed workout also make those long runs feel more sustainable as they build because you've got this other run that's allowing you to build that strength as well during the middle of the week so for me number one a robust consistent medium long run okay i like that because actually of all the plans i've looked at in the past i don't think i've ever had a medium long run and i do know and i love them yeah a lot of people i mean if you if you look at a lot of the the plans you might pull somewhere from somewhere else they'll have a speed workout and like a tempo run or something in the middle of the week yeah which Mm -hmm. from my perspective means you're hitting on speed twice and for most people speed can isn't the limiting factor what is the limiting factor is aerobic development and and it's aerobic development is the number one most important thing you can work on in order to be faster because when you're Mm -hmm. aerobically strong then that allows you to use your speed over longer and longer distances. And that's what the medium long run gives us. So our program has the medium long run in lieu of that tempo run. And certainly we do tempo runs on our quality days periodically, but that's not something we work in every week. Mm -hmm. And quality, when you say quality workout, I saw somebody ask this, you're talking just generally speed workout. Yeah, so that's our term for speed workout. The reason we use that word, I think, is because sometimes with speed workouts, people think of just track work. And Mm -hmm. in our vernacular, a quality workout could be any type of workout that you're working on speed, whether that be track workouts like we did today, could be road intervals, could be tempo runs, anything, could be fartleks, could be anything where you're working on speed and it may or may not be on the track. Mm -hmm. Okay. Perfect. All right. One more question. Um, and it's how to know if you're picking the right running coach for you. And then I also want you to tie into this, what it's like to work with you specifically and what people can expect if they're to sign up with you one-on-one. Yes, it's a good question. I think the most important thing you want in a running coach, assuming they know what they're doing and know what they're talking about in terms of the X to the nose of training is you want somebody who's going to be a partner, who's going to be as invested in your goals as you are. And Mm -hmm. uh, for me, I I tell people this all the time, you know, signing up with me is in many ways the most dangerous thing you can do (laughs) for your goal setting, because I'm not going to allow you to rest on your laurels. I'm not going to allow you to settle. I'm going to push you in your goal setting. And once you tell me what you want, that I'm going to be as relentless as you are in going to chase that goal. And, and again, that can be pretty dangerous for people because it's like, okay, mm-hmm. it's on. We got to go, we got to go do the work and I'm not going to let you settle. And so I think you want somebody that's like that. And, mm-hmm. you know, I hear about people all the time that might say, I have this coach. I think they gave me decent workouts, but they just didn't seem to take interest in what I wanted or my goals or follow up in it, you know, on it in a way that made me feel like they were connected to it. And, and to me, that's just, that's just sad. Cause it's not about, mm-hmm. I mean, certainly the X's and O's, the training 
programming is important. And I think there are better or worse versions of that. But at the same time, you know, anybody who's worth their salt, who knows what they're doing, can put together a training program. And it's, mm-hmm. it's the things beyond that that really help people get to the next level, whether that be that investment in what you're doing, helping you with the mental side, staying invested and checking in on you when you have injuries and you're working mm-hmm. through that because sometimes coaches will just kind of let you flounder on your own when you have something that's popped up. So you just want that investment and it's hard to know whether you're going to get that when you sign up with somebody. But I think the best way to, to know that is just by asking people and, and then also by asking, you know, good questions when you talk to them about how they show their investment in their athletes. Right. Totally. I think that's kind of one of the biggest questions I get because running or having a running coach, like there's no rule book for exactly what that relationship is supposed to look like. And so I think people are just completely confused when they go and want to hire a run coach. So I think that's super helpful. Um, And then explain, you had said to me once that writing plans is like the smallest portion of what you do as a coach. So what can people expect if they sign up to work with you? Somebody just asked where I'm located. I'm in Austin and yes, we do virtual stuff. We'll talk Mm -hmm. about that here in a minute. Yeah. Writing plans. I mean, at some point chat GPT will be able to write training plans. Apparently it's not, apparently it's not there yet. Uh, But, you know, writing the X's and O's and, and all of that is, is the easy part of the job. You know, I think for me, the other parts are, as I mentioned, understanding someone's goals and, and particularly why they want that goal. I think that's, as, as important as understanding the goal themselves itself, because when you understand why somebody wants a goal, then you know you then you know how to 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 help them stay motivated when they're when they might be struggling or when they have hard times. So that's a part of it, really understanding that. Another part, as I mentioned, is the mental side, helping somebody work through their doubts, helping some people how some people work through the anxiety they might have about showing up for a race helping somebody put together a race plan that incorporates that and then allows them to have success based on their skill set. helping somebody know what's possible in a race. I think one of my biggest strengths, I call it my sort of superpower as a coach is being able to tell people what's possible Mm -hmm. based on what I observe and see in their training, being able to tell them exactly what they can do on race day, which I don't, you know, I don't know where it comes from, to be honest, but I'll, you know, numbers come to me and I think, you know, I like, this is what you can do and be able to speak that truth into somebody's life and, and tell them they can do something that they never thought possible is mm-hmm. really powerful tool. And most of the time I run into people that aren't dreaming big enough. And so being able to tell them, you know, that they can do something they might not ever have dreamed about on their own is, is where you get to the real magical stuff. Also, you know, helping with all the other elements to coaching in terms of knowing how to get properly hydrated, fueling on the run, doing strength work and mobility work and making sure that's tailored to what you need as an athlete, helping you think about your long-term trajectory. And, Mm -hmm. you know, again, just beyond one training cycle, knowing that, hey, this is how we need to piece things together over 18 months to take another big step forward. All of those things are part of what I do and, and it's, I mean, I love it. (laughs) I can't, I can't, you're great at it. I can't get enough. Yeah. And would you say that's true for, cause obviously you have so many other coaches within rogue running and that's probably true for every coach who does one-on-one. Yeah. We don't, 
Yeah, we don't take anybody who doesn't think about it the way I do. Yeah. So there's, you can't, you know, we have a lot of several one-on-one coaches. I mean, probably eight or so now. And I would, I would recommend them to anyone. Okay. Amazing. All right. Well, if somebody wants to reach out to you, where can they find you? Yeah. yeah. So you can find us at roguerunning.com. We do in-person training in Dallas and Austin. If you're in either of those cities, or you can train with us virtually, we have virtual group training, which I coach with one of our other coaches, James Dodds. Unfortunately, that just closed. So you missed your window on that, but it will reopen in January. And we also do virtual one-to-one coaching. And if you want, you can find info on the website about that, or you can just email me or DM me, chris at roguerunning.com, and I can help match you with a coach. And then, of course, if you're just wanting to learn more um, from me, then you can go to my podcast, Running Rogue, on Apple and all the other channels. And I've got more episodes than you can want about Mm -hmm. all of these topics in great depth. And if you can handle listen to me drone on by myself for an hour, then, you know, you're, you're, uh, you're, you're ahead of the game, so to speak. Yeah, so we've got lots of good tips <laughs> on there too. So you can check that out as well. If you just want to listen and again, of course, if you have any questions, I'm happy to help anybody. Chris at roguerunning.com is mm-hmm. the way to reach me. Lots of people here talking about your podcast that I'm seeing popping in. Um, but I will link all of that in my stories after this. We'll save this here. And then we have a couple of our lives saved onto the podcast too. So if y'all need any more info, we've got that for you. Um, and yeah, we'll see you next time. Thanks, Chris. Thanks, Cole. Good to see you. We'll All see right, you have here a good one. Yeah. Yeah. In a couple of weeks, I'll be back. Awesome. All right. Bye. bye. So there you go. Thanks to you, Nicole, for having me again on her Instagram live and thanks to her followers for always having amazing questions. If you'd like to follow Nicole, she's a great follow on Instagram, Nicole M runs. That's at Nicole M runs. I'm excited to be helping Nicole train for the Chicago marathon after she just qualified for Boston and Eugene back in April. So go check out, go follow her. You can also, again, just like I just mentioned, check out our website, roguerunning.com, if you'd like to learn more about us. Otherwise, we'll wrap this one here. Thanks for listening. As always, we'll talk to you next week.